The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits. Well, it's always a pleasure to join back and be with all of you as as a tribe and just be in that space of what it means to be intentional. Our guest is certainly one that can speak of that. But intentional people are not just external driven. Um, they they have uh, life's challenges and changes like everyone else. But intentional people still keep moving forward with their dreams. They still keep moving forward with the space that they feel guided to to put a dent and somehow leave some kind of gift back to the planet that has equally and mutually been so loving and kind to to them. So I just love doing this show. We're like in our going in our 13th year now. And it's just wonderful because I love meeting people like uh, Baron Stefan. Welcome, Baron, to the show today. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Aloha, Temple. Aloha, aloha to you. Well, you've been on um, quite a journey. You touch upon so many things in your life that um, has tremendous um, interest, not only to our our listeners, but as well uh, to me personally. Um, I, I can see what an intentional spirit you are, uh, finding yourself as a widower at at such a young age with such a tragic death with your, with your wife. Um, and I, I love that you've made such an impact with, uh, you've made such an impact with kids and adults and teaching the healthy mindset of life in a world that we live in now that, you know, people are deciding suicide. Like some people Mm -hmm. used to decide whether to go to college or not. It's a very, interesting time that that we are that we are living in how did you get started in your life on a place or a path that you had an interest in being a difference maker what what Mm. was that about or is there a story there well i mean i i think i just grew up in a in a great family i had a mom who was very catholic and very spiritual And for me, Catholicism, I went to a Catholic school as a boy. It didn't really work for me. And then one day she came to us when I was about 20, 
20 years old, she came to me, my two older sisters, and my grandpa in Santa Monica Canyon and said, today I'm going to take you to meet a real holy man. And just down the street, Baba Muktananda, an Indian master from the East, had come to town. And the reason she knew that he was a real holy man was because she had taken something called an intensive with him a few years earlier and had had profound experiences. And even though she was a devout Catholic and still is, by the way, um, (laughs) she knew he was a real holy man. And I had a very powerful experience with Baba that um, has an Indian name I didn't know at the time called Shaktipat. And I recount that in a chapter in the book. And it I mean, I wasn't the same after. I, it's been a process of um, almost like when you have a tiny hole in a, in a fabric and the hole keeps getting slowly larger as, as you walk that path. And that's what's happened. It is so amazing, isn't it? How those encounters come into play. Our soul is so beautiful in that way, isn't it? I mean, things find us or a parent or someone or a friend will introduce us to something or invite us to something. And it, those are those moments. Many years ago, Marlo Thomas, um, the actress wrote, um, right words at the right time. Mm. And I, I think there's a lot of so much truth to that, you know, that you, we, you and I could probably spend the entire show talking about mm-hmm. the right words at the right time when someone mm-hmm. said something or we saw someone or we met someone that could do something that we haven't seen before and it just yeah. it, it just catapults us to a whole whole new level of deepening within ourselves um, so for many years you uh, and thank you mom <laughs> <laughs> let's don't miss out on that right that's important um, do you know I thank her for that almost every time we talk. She's in a nursing home, and, um, you know, she's almost 90, and I, I literally, every time, I thank her for taking me to meet Baba, and she knows why, but there's no way I'll ever be able to thank her enough for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that you have many times when she sees who you are and you're becoming this. Mm, you know. Thank you. That's a that's a big way of thanking someone, isn't it? That you are um, making life matter, not only to yourself, but uh, through modeling, uh, through other people. Um, were you yeah. initially drawn to um, making a difference with children? I mean, I had read that you were... No, um, I'd re- <laughs> I, I didn't want to even be a teacher, but... Um... <laughs> I, seriously, I really wish. I was <laughs> pretty sure I didn't want to be. And well, I had a a boy out of wedlock with a woman that was never going to be the right one, and she was extremely difficult. But it's what brought me to Hawaii when he was four, because I just wanted to be part of his life, even if it was going to be, you know, across the island. And um, so. I started, because I couldn't relate to four-year-olds, they're very unique beings, I went and got a job at a local Montessori school working with three- to five-year-olds, and that helped me understand how to relate to him, and that just carried me into education, and little by little, um, my desire to really, I didn't want to work with children. Suddenly, I think it was through my, just my daily practice of meditation and yoga and my path of Siddha Yoga, it, it blossomed into an 
amazing love and appreciation for the immense challenges that um, it would present to me, which would then, of course, open me up. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. I mean, I, I've, I've laughed with people and said that, um, you know, most of my no's I'm now doing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. my innos, you know, I, I'm, I'm with my wife and I said no to that possibility. And I've been in a mm. spiritual community going on 18 years. And I said, no, I don't think I want to be part of one particular, you know, community or I'm signs of mine, not just unity. And, you know, and here I am. Yeah. So it, I'm like you. I, I ultimately, the, the soul makes the best choice for us. That's for sure. <laughs> so true. But with the um, with the second leading cause of death in young people being suicide, which is shocking starting at the age of 10, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. more aware of that because I, I've had the pleasure to be in a film with Deepak Chopra and Gabriella mm-hmm. Wright and some other people about this subject matter, and it's just been delayed because of COVID, but I, I was not aware. I was not aware. I mean, I'm aware that it's become what people consider more uh, natural, but I wasn't aware at how strong the numbers were. I was initially shocked to hear that. Yes, it is stunning. And as an elementary school teacher, um, I am and was aware of those numbers, and I would share them regularly with parents and others, knowing that, especially with the onset of the internet, you know, the the number of suicides among especially teenage girls, it jumped something like 64% as of 2012. And God knows what it's at now. And there's very clear reasons for that. We understand what, like imagine in the day when you didn't get invited to a party by your, by friends, right? You wouldn't find out about it until maybe a week later, two weeks later, and it hurt like hell, right? But nowadays we have the internet and we are faced with it 24 hours a day, there is no break from knowing that we weren't invited, that we weren't liked, that we weren't wanted. And our egos are simply not set up to deal with that. And because no one understands how thoughts literally impact us in each moment and and create our lives for us in each moment, this is why people believe their stories. They believe their thoughts. They're never taught how to think and that they can have a choice of not believing their thoughts. And that is tragic. And I'm sure Deepak and you and the others in that film touch on this, that it literally comes down to simply, you have a choice to not believe a thought anytime you want. Absolutely. And I, I want to make the, um, now that I know who you are, I'm going to make the filmmaker aware of you as well. And, um, and just to hold you in that thought of, you know, possibilities of things as we move forward with other future projects, um, you would be a great addition, just your essence and, and who you are. And no, I don't say that to everybody I talk to on the mm-hmm. radio. It's just that you're, you are about that and him living in Nepal and, you know, practicing the ways of a monk and having a Rinpoche and things like that. There's a, there's a great connection there. So we will Mm. definitely follow through on that for sure. Um, You've had an interesting journey, um, you know, to say the least. And 
we are now, and part of what we're focusing on on the, the show is um, the book, The Final Gift of the Beloved, Her Disappearance, 13 Days. Um, you want to walk us through the story of that? Um, yeah, so it's been three, a little over three years since Shauna died, and the, the book is the true story of the 13 days following her fatal automobile accident, and it's a moment-by-moment -moment chronicle, beginning with the officer's words, she is deceased. And those 13 days were unlike anything I could have possibly imagined or expected. The agony and the beauty that was what was so disorienting and stunning. It was almost as if a child were playing with a light switch from intense pain to ecstatic love. And to be completely honest, Temple, it was the love and gratitude that had the upper hand. I really didn't want to write the book. Um, I wouldn't have if my friends hadn't asked me to try. But the more I wrote the more my love and gratitude for Shauna became the fuel to try and understand how even a tragedy can lead to a greater understanding of myself, my purpose for being alive, and how to use that experience to benefit others and humanity. Because that's Shauna. Like, if you look up, Shauna's Vita is, you know, pages long. She was, let me give you just two tiny things of Shauna. Shauna was invited by Jimmy Carter to facilitate at the Carter Institute when he invited a group of religious leaders from all over the world to discuss with him how religious texts were uh, creating uh, suffering imposed upon women. Shauna worked with Tostan International, uh, a President's Award winner as an international first, one of the first international companies, actually the first, to successfully, a nonprofit, go into West Africa and have over 9,000 villages voluntarily curtail female genital cutting. This was my wife. And she, you know, what, a, what a great light and what a great soul. The, the outcry when Shauna died was stunning. And, and that's part of why also the 13 days, because um, on the one hand, I was aware that the concept of 13 days comes from the East, where one would mourn the deceased for that period of time. And on the 13th day, there's a celebration of that life, thanking the person and releasing her from anything that would hold her to the physical world, sending her into the light. And what became obvious after just a few days was there was a global outcry because Shauna was known all over the world from Detroit to West Africa to the West Coast to you name it. Um, and so it was almost this confluence of inexplicable things. And, and in one sense, the title of the book gives away the entire book. The final gift of the beloved was her disappearance. And over those 13 days, it unfolded and revealed itself to me. And it was extraordinary, and it completely shifted what I thought I had understood. I mean, I realized I'd been studying yoga and basically meditating every day for 25 years and following the path of Siddha Yoga, yet nevertheless, it took the experience of this car accident and death 
to change those teachings into concrete qualities. I'm not the same. Mm. Uh, you, you, you couldn't be. Um, for those of you tuning in, I'm talking to Baron Stefan. I am saying your name correctly, right? I usually ask before mm -hmm. the show, but I didn't today. Um, <laughs> You're perfect. Okay, and you can go to uh, Baron's website. It's Baron with two R's, Stefan with two F's dot com. And you can also, uh, not only can you buy the book, you can read more about his work, but as well, um, you can purchase the book from there and learn more about about Shauna. Um, when did the, where did the two of you meet? And, and when was that? I know that mm -hmm. she, she died in 2017. Um, but when did uh, the two of you become aware of each other? Mm. So I had um, been living and teaching here where I am right now on Oahu, Hawaii. And Shauna came to Hawaii. Um, she was a professor at the University of Boulder, Colorado. And um, she had come here to Hawaii to do a yoga teacher training. And at, with the last week we met on my beach, Lanikai Beach, and um, fell madly in love. And she was... Um, you know, I had never even proposed to anyone in 45 years, but it was, it's funny how they say, you know, it's obvious. Yeah, it was obvious. Um, and she had a week left, and basically I, I stopped her on the beach when I saw her. She had a huge camera around her neck, and I said, you know, do you want your picture taken in front of the Mokulua Islands? And I knew by how she answered that question if I'd want to ask her another question. And she did. And so then I started telling her all the places she had to visit in the last week, you know, in Hawaii. There's some amazing things on the Oahu from the North Shore to the Mokulua Islands. And so I started trying directions in the sand. And of course, with the Hawaiian names, Kalaniana like Highway, Laniakea Point, you know, she might need a guide. And so I offered that too. How many years were you together before her accident? Sean and I met on the June full moon in 2005, literally my birthday. I proposed to her a year later on the June full moon, and we were married a year later on the June full moon on the spot where we met on Lanikai Beach. So that would be 12 years. Hmm. Transformational, huh? Transformational. Well, that's, I mean, what is a word that even goes with the whole, you know, the story? It, it's a much longer window than that which is you know why you why think, you wrote the I, book did you did you instantaneously or you know within a few days were you able to dig deep and just say i mean there's lots of windows i can imagine that um i mean i've faced death a lot a lot not with mm. um someone i was married to but you know i know death i know mm. the smell of it i've lost so many mm. people in my life and i i think one of the things is to eventually being able to go to a place and say i'm going to make their life matter because i'm going to move forward and you know move myself into more of an evolutionary being or you know whatever mm. i'm going to make this matter yeah. i'm not going to you know uh pull up the covers and give up or is that something that you <clears throat> knew right away because a lot of people do give up no. or they go into the throes of addiction or 
woe is mm -hmm. me, and they never pick back yeah. up. I mean, I know a guy from high school that um, his girlfriend died, um, and he, you know, has been an alcoholic all his life, never woke back up. Mm. So, I, I think um, what I got and why the book is 13 days is it was such an intense ride, but what I had of benefit was my path of city yoga that I had been practicing for, you know, since 1980 and then on a daily basis since 1993 or four when I met, um, went to India. And it was that confluence of having that background of having, of being able to recognize that moment. So, so what happened was the day I found out Shauna died, she was um, working with the National Natural Hazards Institute in, back in Colorado, um, who uh, she had worked with for 9-11. And I was in Vashon, Washington, our home, and I was at an, a Unitarian Universalist church for uh, Shaktipat Intensive with Siddha Yoga. And um, there was no one there but about seven of us at the church, and I walked out. I saw a voicemail at the last break of the day and walked out to my car and thought, this is odd. It's from a, an, the only officer on Bashan Island asking me to call him. And I called him and he asked me all kinds of questions. And then finally he said, I'm going to meet you back at your house later tonight. And I said, officer, if this is about my wife, Shauna, you need to tell me right now. And I'm not waiting till later. And he said, yes, it is. Um, your wife was killed in a car accident this morning in Colorado. Oh, and that God. moment, that made yeah, that me moment I'm sitting, I mean, I felt that sitting, down my toes, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sitting in the car, there was just when you're, it was an impossibility that was suddenly actual. And that the meeting of those two things, you know, in, in elementary school, I taught a lot about the wiring of the brain and how neurons wire. Well, I had never asked the unaskable question of what would I do if Sean's was dead, was not there. And so my brain was completely blank for, I don't know how long I sat in that car, mm -hmm. but fortunately that blankness was very familiar to me because that's meditation, right? Meditation right. is the stilling of the thought waves of the mind. And so, and that's the grace and it's the grace of the path and of my teacher and of, of God and the inner self and all of that, that in that moment, instead of, as you said, falling into the abyss of all of the terrible responses I could have had of, of anger and fear and upset, I recognized there was, that there was something in this, that this wasn't random. And that came from my training on the spiritual path. And I would just say, you know, like I say at the beginning of the book, the purpose of, of the, writing the book is not to promote any particular spiritual path. Um, but I have to mention City Yoga because it's laced throughout the book, and I would never even have met Shauna if I hadn't started City Yoga because I wouldn't have been mature enough. But the thing that's important, I think, is that the power of a spiritual path can provide solace and guidance in unthinkable moments if one gives oneself to the teachings beforehand fully. Um, and that's what happened to me. And I, that's why I see all of this as planned. I mean, I, I really do see it as planned. That mm -hmm. I, don't know what sh I don't know what Shauna got out of leaving at that point in her life. Obviously, she got something. I don't know what it was. 
But what I got was this opportunity to take this tsunami of love that is sudden loss and use it to learn and understand. And if there's anything both my teachers and Shauna would not want, it would be to waste that. And that's why I come to the conclusion that there is a possibility to look at the death of a close one as their final gift to you. And in fact, I would say, why wouldn't our most loved one wish their final act of leaving the world be their best and brightest gift to us? Like, it, it makes perfect sense that that's what they would want. And so to put ourselves in the position to be strong enough to meet that moment and use it to the fullest and honor their gift and honor the love that we have for that person, to me, that's the purpose of my life. That's such a powerful message. Um, it, it, it is almost like when, when someone gives up on their life because someone close to them has died, that's, it's a, it's a disservice really. We have to be strong. We have to have prepared ourselves a little bit enough to understand more than our thoughts. And that's the big problem. That's the problem. I'm sure you're, you're, you talk about in the film with Chipa, with, um, Mr. Chopra, um, is, is simply that we have to understand that we're not our thoughts. The only reason people are committing suicide and having taught third, fourth, and fifth grade for 18 years, I know what comes right before it is we, we just start to identify with all our thoughts. In fact, it's embedded in who we are, that we believe whatever thought comes up until the mm -hmm. next one comes up. And so it, even after 25 years of daily meditation, I still, I still watch my thoughts arise. I know I'm not my thought, and yet I believe it as I think it. And so this is obviously the way the ego and the mind work together. This is just what is. And so if we're not aware of it, we will be duped every single time. And when I think of beautiful, beautiful teenagers committing suicide because they, they can't they can only believe the truth of the story their mind has told them. It's tragic to me that we don't make a huge part of education teaching children and adults, because I never learned either, how to use their thoughts so they're not used by them, that we're not a thought and that we have a choice in their matter. We can choose to believe a thought or not believe a thought in any moment. Without that strength and that power, without that little separation, we're completely, we're completely addicted. So true. Tune in with us, everyone. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. 
welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being here today. I'm talking with Baron Stefan. You can go to his website, baronstefan.com. That's with two R's and two F's. You can also access that on my Facebook page. Um, but you can also, uh, wow, I, I, it's rare that you meet anybody in their life that hasn't lost a loved one of some kind of relationship. And so I really urge you to to purchase the book, The Final Gift of the Beloved, Her Disappearance, 13 Days by Baron Stefan. And he's making a reference to the tragic loss of his wife, uh, Shauna, who died in an automobile accident in September of uh, 2017. And I just want to urge you to visit at templehays.com or firstunity.org to find out all the various things that that we are engaged in or that we're doing. And um, I'm also going to be creating a new series for 2021 called From Hell to Well. And um, myself and another colleague were ad addressing the issues of religiosity and how it can stunt so many adults as well as definitely children. So thank you for being with us. Baron, it's so great um, just uh, feeling your energy and your essence, and you can definitely tell that you have done yoga and meditation and and probably didn't have a lot of chocolate before we started doing this show today, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I have, and I think I'm staying pretty calm. <laughs> but... Um, you, you have so uh, many things to share about, uh, about uh, Shauna, your wife, and from that tragic phone call of the police officer. And, oh, my goodness, I mean, how does one ever even say that? I mean, whether they're on the phone with you or looking at you in person, it's still, you know, so shocking. But then you talk about, so when you talk about her disappearance 13 days you're speaking about from you, her disappearance from you. Um, she wasn't ever missing or anything, right, as far as um, from the community. Right. No, no, no. Her disappearance, I say it that way because you can say she died, she was killed in a car accident. But for me and what I understood in those 13 days and certainly since then, understanding that that Shauna's not gone, that <laughs> she's not dead. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Her her disappearance feels much more apropos given what I learned in those 13 days. And I, I had some pretty pr profound and mystical experiences, which I put in the book. Um, you know, I, I thought I, I had an, a vision and a feeling that, you know, okay, Shauna's gone. And I, I had holed up in my little our little cottage on Vashon Island on the water there. And the third night I was awoken in the middle of the night and I've never had this. I guess people have had this happen to themselves, but Shauna started talking to me through my head and I wrote it all down and I wrote 13 pages over three hours. And it started with me hearing in my head, why did this have to happen now? And Shauna was livid that this had happened. And so I literally had to listen to her, realizing there was nothing I could do other than to stay as close as possible and listen to her when she, she, she was desperate. And 
we made it through that and that chapter was that i wrote awake and livid um is like much of the book word for word the the notes that i took um but shauna spoke to me one other time since then and i don't i don't pursue these things of her speaking to me in my head because i don't want my ego to to have even a life breath of air of thinking it can get involved in those things but she did about a year later talk to me and just like that first time i was walking around i was going to do a chant on the beach and it started raining and then i went somewhere else to do something and i couldn't do that and then so i just asked in my head amore is there do you something you want to say to me and i sat down and the crux of what she told me and i want to share this with everyone was i'm with you so much now and i know you feel me i don't miss you because i'm with you anytime i want or choose and it's so much more available now. And so even though the I think I want to share this with your listeners because this is the in one sense this is the great gift that her disappearance her death gave me was not just the intellectual idea of it but the experience that we don't die. And that, in mm-hmm. fact, we're not these bodies at all. Um, we come into these bodies, we give them life, and we've had countless bodies. And that's why I include on, on my website, I have a, a menu called, called Resource Library. And on it, I include a bunch of books from different um, uh, philosophies that really helped me. One of them was... Um, Destiny of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton, and he's a psychologist that interviewed a lot of people and taken them back through hypnosis, and he really um, talks about the life between lives, um, the the spiritual place where we all come from, where we are fully aware of the light that we always are, that we never are not. Um, And so it is this idea... So from the perspective of yoga, the, the most, most damaging thing we can believe is that we are this body. And there's a reason for it, because if we believe we're this body, which we all do, of course, we're programmed to, we are terrified that when the body ends, we end. And so we, our ego spends all its time trying to protect and find you know, protection from this, always knowing that there's, there's no way it's going to happen. But what Shauna's death and her communications and also my experiences helped me understand in totally new ways is what yoga is always teaching and probably many other philosophies as well, that when we accept that we are eternal and that these bodies are like spacesuits that we come into and we let go of the idea of just being the body or the mind, the, the pressure is off. And it is in when the pressure is off that we can really see things and live intentionally instead of running around trying to whack-a-mole all these things that seem to threaten our temporary existence. Um, And in that sense, this is why my wife's death was her final gift to me, because she helped me have that experience of 
many lives. We have all lived many lives, not just this one. And to take that from intellectual knowledge to ex my own experience that now is lived every day is priceless. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I so, so, so get, you know, what you're saying. And you're opening up windows of possibilities for so many people to to change their thoughts or open up their heart, you know, to other avenues. There's a, a book that you would enjoy. Um, I've, I've known her for many years. It's called Love Never Dies. And um, it's by Jamie Turndorf. And her husband was like uh, 30 years older than she. They, he was her professor. And they went on to be like this, you know, like the two of you, like this such this mm. love story. And he was given the wrong medication. They were visiting Italy and he was given the wrong medication from a for a bee sting and, and he died. And um, yeah, but in her book, Love Never Dies, um, you know, he he shows up in so many different ways or uh, mm. they love Paris. So he would. Um, she would be giving a course and the computer would shut down and then open back up and a, uh, a picture of Paris would be on the Zoom call, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff. And, um, and I, I'm glad to know about your book as well, because I will uh, now use that as, as a gift to others. But when when she would talk about certain things or um, my uh, my childhood friend lost her husband uh, through some long term illnesses and he was still a very young man. Um, but she would you know, she had through reading that book and then her opening up, you know, because her faith didn't really elaborate a lot about this kind of stuff either, either mm -hmm. um, is that. Um, you know, the book made her realize that, okay, he's right there and I'm going to talk to him. And so she said, you know, I'm into this and I really believe what I'm hearing and I want to, you know, it's important to me. And you know that um, the anniversary earrings you gave me on such and such a year, I'm still aggravated that I can't find the one, you know, I've, of the set and I'm, I'm looking for them. And like three days later, as she was walking from her pool to go up into her house, she looks on uh, right there in the entryway, and there's the earring. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, so it's, um, I love that. I love what you're saying, and I love the teaching of that. And if so many mm. more people can hear, you know, this energy that, um, they they stop because we stop having a relationship with them. It's like unfriending someone on Facebook. You know, it's like um, I read somewhere the other day. It says, um, actually, someone can die twice. The first time is when your heart stops. The second time is when people stop telling stories about you. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. it's a huge mistake to stop talking to them. I talk to Sean all day long. Mm -hmm. And whether or not she's here, what I've discovered is much like much of yoga, it, it, it's irrelevant because I feel so good and I feel so whole and our love continues to grow. And so in a sense, isn't this a metaphor for just like being a human being mm -hmm. that we 
that we take the time and energy to blame the outside world and other outside people for everything we feel and think is the hugest tragic waste of our energy. Like the, to me now in the state I'm in and having done all I've done and experienced, it, it seems just so obvious that the greatest act of love I can do is simply to moment by moment try to remember to put all my effort into only ever taking responsibility for my every thought and my ever feeling and never blaming anything on the outside world or anyone out there for what I'm feeling or thinking. That's the biggest gift I can give to the world. And so I, I love making that effort because I love my wife and I love my teachers and I love my path. Well, what day uh, and month was she born? Shauna? Mm-hmm. Shauna was born on, oh, she's going to kill me, August. <laughs> oh, shit. I think we don't mean that literally. Eight, <laughs> eight, we are now live the on the air, both kinds. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, so, so forgetting your wife first is like you are in big trouble if you ever do that right <laughs> if you ever forget her birthday oh i don't know about you but my wife shauna was like oh no that's a that's oh, a no no please so um well when you're married yeah, to a sag or a leo which i am you hear about it a month in advance so it's not like you forget <laughs> Oh, but that's the point. See, when they're alive, it's easy. Shauna had her birthday day, her birthday week, and there was definitely the birthday mm -hmm. month, right? Oh. So you had to have all that down. Well, what was her sign? Maybe we can go in a back door. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at I believe it's August, August 28th, 1967, and I'm searching for it in my notes here because... So she was um, a Virgo. Yeah, I know she you. was a Virgo. Yeah, so that's how yeah. my uh, some of my loved ones communicate with me is through numbers. So that was the uh, you know my uh -huh. curiosity about that was uh, because like you said I don't I don't want to sit around and go they have absolutely nothing else going on and they're just busy waiting for you know an open phone line to call me you know, and, and let me influence that with some kind of mentalizing. But uh, so communi big communication with numbers and numbers showing up and things like that. So mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm, wondered if that mm -hmm. had happened to you. And um, and now it might, since you know our birthday is August. <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big troll. <laughs> oh, the beauty of love, yes. Yeah. So, so you're walking your, your uh, readers through a journey of, of mm. that whole process of that, you know, level of what we call separation uh, to mm -hmm. come full circle to a place of being less separate than ever is, is what, yes. I'm, what I'm hearing. Absolutely. And, the, you know, in, in the sense of like, I love that you're podcast has a name intention in it because this is the essence like of finding what we value and love most and using our full intention every moment towards that like that's isn't what's more devotional love than being able to stay focused on one thing 
at all times, especially with the way the mind is created, right? There's always thoughts coming up. And so to me, the greatest act of love and devotion is simply to be able to stay focused on one thing. And of course, you get to decide what that one thing is. And I have mine. And I, I, I try and rely on it more and more each day. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's my offering. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you say your big, you, maybe you've already highlighted that, that you're, that your most significant learning is that we have so many lifetimes and, you know, we're still connected in those kind of things. Um, I think the how biggest would, How would you thing, also say that this has, you know, people use the term, you know, it, it broke my heart, my heart's broken, um, those kind of things. And I, I know when my dad died, um, and it was, you know, we always say death's unexpected, but that's not true because it's going to be expected of all of us at some point. But it wasn't, it didn't appear he was going to, you know, die at that time. But my my chest ached and I really understood country music songs like, oh, they're being for real. <laughs> you know, I thought they were just doing it to sell a song. I went, oh, man, this is real. You know, this really hurts right there, you know, for significantly. Um, and the, the learning with that. But but it's really about how to feel your heart has been broken so it can open in a bigger way, isn't it? Would that be yeah. the, the largest revelation, right? Not to be think, depleted yeah. of life, but to have more life. Would you say that that would be... Part of the gifts you've received is that you're more alive than you've ever been of course i think the the phrase heartbroken open is more accurate than heartbroken mm-hmm. there's no time we are as and i'll say we because i'm sure there's people out there who've experienced death um that one is more open and their heart is more open than when they're feeling the, lo- the loss, and especially the sudden loss of someone they love deeply. And with that opening, there are, like, it is the most fertile, filled with opportunities time. And so to, to take full advantage of it, of, of staying with the heart opening and stay away from making plans and rational linear thought because that will rewire the neurons too quickly. Stay in that place of intense vulnerability and love and receive what, what can be received in that moment. That's what I would say is, again, let that fight. If, if you can see it without feeling like it's a betrayal, that the disappearance, their death is a gift, then all that pain is simply the pain of the heart being opened wider so that we can understand who we actually are instead of who we thought we are. That's what I would say. I keep learning and keep wanting to learn. And if anyone out there, I I hope I would never want to offend anyone by telling anyone (laughs) how to receive and experience the death of the one they love. There, it's going to be your experience. And if you're open to the possibility of it being their gift, there's no time we are, we can, <laughs> our bag is open wider or deeper than when we're feeling that heart broken open. 
And it doesn't stay open like that for a long time. Unless we yeah. intentionally no, stay I, I feel your, your work is so, you know, crucial and necessary um, as, as the, as the book is. And, and first of all, so many more people need to talk about dying. You know, it's, it's like you and I were sharing during break and my book, when did you die? One publicist said the book is great, but the title is going to kill you, kill the book, not kill me. But, you know, and I went, I, that's what I'm guided. And that's what I've got to call it. Cause that's what it is. When did you die? You know, what parts of you did you allow to die while you're living? You know? Um, so I, I think the richness of the, of the conversation and, And then I think of, you know, like my friend, that because somebody was willing to talk about experiences from that veil and the afterlife, it opened her up to a whole new world, uh, to healing and and then to go on and love again and feel that that was okay. Where where she was at the time, that would have never been okay. Um, Yeah. You know, their life ended, they died and our marriage ended and it's over and I'll just, you know, live the rest of my life and connect with my kids and no more. And that's mm. not the truth. It's about living bolder no. and, and, and greater. Um, yeah. And when we, when we understand that through the pain and the suffering that more than happiness, love wants growth, then we can live full, full lives, whether, whether there's a tragedy or not a tragedy that it's, like I tried to leave Shauna hundreds of times because of what I grew up with as a child. It was, it was embedded in me. Every time I felt like, oh, we're not happy together, you know, I would try to escape. But what I got is that more than happiness, love wants growth. And so all these challenges that come to me, it's because God, love wants growth and loves this play of learning how to grow. And so anything we can do to stay open, podcasts, friendships, conversations, meditation, whatever it is to stay open to the idea that we're here to learn. We're not here to like acquire or uh, accumulate or have any agenda other than learn. It could keep so many relationships and marriages and partnerships together to understand, to not base whether we should stay together on whether or not we're happy or happier, but are we committed to growing? Because when I'm committed to my own growth, then I don't put any blame on you for who you are or how you are. I take full responsibility myself for my own feelings. And then we stay together. I could never have stayed with Shauna as long as we did until her death had she not been so strong to always believe in us, even when I was at my worst. Hmm. That's really, that's very powerful. I, I love the statement that you made. And I think it, I definitely feel it bears repeating. And so I want you to say it again rather than me, but it's about when you are really committed to growing, then that's, then because you're very committed to growing, when you really are at the depth of your being, you're committed to grow, then you are willing to take full responsibility for everything. That's powerful. Yeah. That's a Oprah would love that. That's a Oprah, you you know, soul, super soul Sunday statement. And you won't, (laughs) and you don't, and you don't destroy the one you love anymore because you're not blaming them. Like that's why I wrote that chapter, that, that flashback chapter of Shauna and I in the meditation room where I was on the verge our marriage was about to break up. 
And it was that moment was when I realized that the only thing that could keep us together, and I think this is probably true for every couple, is a bigger commitment to grow my own growth into what I think our relationship was supposed to be or how I think it should look or how I think you should act. And only by that, by me valuing more my own growth, meaning that I, I had to grow out of this fixed idea of, of what I thought of Sean and what I was blaming her for, only that allowed me to get rid of the idea of she was wrong, she was rigid, she was all these things that I'd literally mapped out, and instead turn in the other direction and see what I value much more than any thought that comes through my head or belief is my own growth, and I have a lot of growth here, and that saved our marriage in that moment. One of my dearest friends taught me many years ago, she's 13 years older than I am, that the secret to um, a lifelong marriage is the willingness to leave it as much as you're willing to stay in it. And it, it, it was a defining moment for me. It's those right words at the right time of being willing mm -hmm. to be in that conversation because so few people are safe there, you know, because it means something permanent instead of conversing and opening one's heart. But it, it's very powerful, you know, what you're saying is the, the willingness to leave something so much that you can get into the truth of what it really is. That's um, really powerful. Well, it's been an amazing uh, journey today with you, Baron Stefan. Everyone go to baronstefan.com and explore his work and what he's doing, what he's about, and purchase the book. And also read about um, Shauna. You can also Google her, and it's phenomenal, uh, the work that she did and the work that uh, is still impacted uh, because she, she lived on this plane, and who knows what she's doing now. But Baron, many blessings to you, sir, and thank you for sharing your time with me today and our audience. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.